1: Fabulous secret powers were revealed to our host as he plugged in his microphone. I have a podcast! Here he is, your Spider-Pan, Jeremy.
4: Greetings and happy Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. Uh, This is a very special episode. I was waiting just to release this for May the 4th. A very specific episode for that day. I'm excited to share this with you. We're going to share some Star Wars memories. Uh, I'm uh, working on getting some behind-the-scenes information. Uh, I tried to look online to find a lot of, you know, some information and try to gather some stuff together. But mainly what I found is an old 1977 documentary, which uh, I remember you could get on a videotape. As part of like a serial thing, I think with Kellogg's or something, where it was a, uh, the old making that had been uh, aired uh, back, I believe ABC had shown this back in 1977. Uh, kind of you know, documenting the phenomenon and having some behind the scenes stuff. And uh, right now, it is even still downloading as I'm recording this part of the show. That I'm going to try to be able to share some audio with you by the end of the show. But up until that point, we're going to talk about some Star Wars memories of us. Uh, you know, uh, well, it's just me, but I have gathered some stories. Uh, I got two whole stories. I did go fishing around social media and seeing who will could share some stories of some of their memories of seeing the original movie. And I don't think I. Uh, I told them specifically all the different things that I would like to hear cuz some one one of the two is very very short just talking about when they remember watching it but, you know, I was open to more information, like the toys and things like that, and I, I think I might have some of that information. I don't know. I haven't read both of the emails, but I only got two. I kind of expected a little bit more. But I'll share some of my own memories as well. I didn't get a chance to bring in Lost Boy Philip on this. I'm sure he would have a lot of memories to be able to share with me as well. Uh, but we're going to have some Star Wars fun and then do a lot of our usual type of news. Uh, well, not a lot of news, I, I but I have a couple of videos I want to share as some news. Um, And maybe we'll talk about some game releases that I haven't gotten a chance to play. But uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, speaking of Star Wars, has released. And uh, everything I've heard about it has been very, very positive. Uh, I am broke, so I will not be picking it up for a while. (laughs) Uh, But what I've been playing, I'm playing what I have, okay? So I've been playing the WWE 2K23, having some fun, uh, making characters, downloading characters that Philip is making. We used to come up with comic book characters when uh, we were... Like middle school age, yeah, working working into early high school, but mainly in middle school, uh, we'd have these characters and we would draw little comics and everything. He could re- draw a lot better than I can, uh, but we've been creating those characters. Uh, you know, if you want to follow me, uh, if you're having to play the WWE. Um, I think if you if you search for my PlayStation ID of glue band 77, I think you'll find me. Otherwise, if you search for the spider Pan, or if you search my name, Jeremy Shields, by the way, you will be able to find me and where I've even created myself. If you'd like to download me and kick my butt <laughs> or some other characters I've made, I've made like Aerith and Tifa from Final Fantasy 7. I've got a she I created. Uh, some characters I've done some tweaks, like Philip made a Beastman that I made a few tweaks. I have a certain style. I like to have him. Uh, who else have I made? Uh, I have I have plans to do some other characters. I just haven't gotten around to it. I haven't had that much time, but I've been having fun making and creating my own little universe. So if any of you, any of you happen to participate in that, you know you can download some of my stuff. And hey, if you've made something neat, let me know. Uh, send us an email, podcast at everlandpodcast.com or use social media to find me and communicate. We do have a Facebook group and uh, the group is, I think, where uh, I'm, I'm having an easier time posting things, but we also have a fan page. So yeah, let me know uh, if you're making something interesting. There was a guy that uh, I think I I have found him again. He does a lot of really neat Masters of Universe characters. Uh, I think I was communicating with him on Twitter uh, during the last game. So, yeah, I'm still having some fun playing with that. That also, and Resident Evil 4, I played through it twice now, and I unlocked the uh, uh, unlimited uh, rocket launcher. All right, unlimited is is that the word? I guess yeah, I guess that's the word I would use. Uh, it, is, it never runs out of ammo, and uh, it makes it a lot more fun to go through uh, to blow everything up with that. Uh, you can blow yourself up if you ain't careful. Uh, but I set that aside to go and play some wrestling, and I I, I realized um, with the re uh, or Resident Evil uh, it tracks what you do in a game. And I was like, hey, I don't have any scores for the PS Five, but I was like, okay, well it has recorded all my stuff I've done on PS Four for like Resident Evil Two, Three, and Village, and and seven and that kind of thing, uh, but I'm thinking, well, maybe I should play through those on the five real quick. Although I do have a lot of the other games still waiting for my attention, and I still would like to do a little bit more with uh, Hogwarts Legacy. Uh, so, but I have been going back, speaking of you know Disney. I guess um, I've been playing some a little bit of Disney Dreamlight because they did uh, over in the month of uh, April have unlocked Nala and Simba. Uh, so I've been unlocking them. Also, uh, whatever her name is from Encanto, I don't really care. Encanta, I don't care. Uh, I was not a fan of that movie. Didn't think it was that good. There's a lot of stuff Disney's done I've not been a fan of. And in fact, uh, here's here's some other kind of thing. And I was actually just watching, I don't know if anybody's familiar with Brett Cooper. Uh, she's got a show called The comments Section. She now works for The Daily Wire. Uh, but she'll go through and look what's going on in social media. And uh, I don't know if I would have been able or allowed to share any of the audio of uh, of what she's uh, posted out there. Um. I, I figure once you've posted it to, to YouTube, I mean, you've, you've got some copyright to it. Uh, but it's also out there socially. But let me just kind of sum up some stuff. But she's wondering about if there's like a religion or a cult of Disney. And uh, how, how this came around is someone had posted to uh, like TikTok that uh, this woman had taken her family. And this is she's going through the prices of just one day at Walt Disney World. She shows how much, the, the you know, here's here's the food and it's meager. And it's over $100. Now, I don't know how many people were in her family. It looks like there was at least maybe two kids. So it looks like a family of four. Uh, So let's presume that. But she goes and lists all the prizes. Said they really, in in each area, they were only able to ride one ride. And they they were in the line for about 120 minutes each time around. So they didn't really get a chance to ride that much stuff. But they spent all kinds of money, mainly on food. And then, of course, they went ahead and bought lightsabers, which, you know, those are very expensive to do if you want to build a lightsaber but overall at the end of one day they spent nearly $4000 i mean that's $1000 per person and that includes you know the hotel room and everything uh, but it's got to be very expensive and there's a lot of people that that, that uh, had tweeted back it's like oh well you just don't know though there's ways that so you can save money and everything and yeah you, you know when you go on a trip like that there shouldn't be shouldn't be that complicated to not spend $4000 in a day uh, but that's why I one of reasons that I have said that Disney has left me. And, and uh, Brett Cooper in this video is talking about, you know, like for the 10 years, about the time that that Brett um, Iger got in there. Brett Iger. Am I saying that? I'm well, Bob Iger. What is this thing of Brett? I don't know. But by the, when, when Iger got in there, there was even more merchandising. The prices of everything have been going up astronomical that it is priced out of the average consumer like me who, I mean, I love more of a vintage Disney. I have some stuff still even, uh, you know, here on my desk. I have a Steam Boot Willie. Uh, it's one of those calendars. I got it as a precious moments thing, and you can change. You know, it's like dice that has the numbers and the month on it, and you can change it around. Uh, you know, I've got stuff here. Uh, you know I've been a fan of Disney in the past, but I uh, as, as Padme says, you're going to a place I can't follow. You're breaking my heart. They've really gone away from the common people, and that's why this is no longer a Disney show. But when you go and you leave Disney, I mean, I lost a ton of listeners when we quit covering so much Disney. And I go and I see stuff on Facebook. I'm still a member of a lot of Disney groups. There are people, it is like a cult. And for some, and they were talking in this video that for some people, and people have done sociology studies on this, people going to the parks, it's like a religious experience for them. And I understand some of the emotional people, you know, there's like a video even that um, this girl is, Filming herself as she goes and she sees the castle and she just goes in tears. I, I mean, I kind of understand those people. I feel like I walked among them, but I never really was one of them. I was adult, an adult who enjoys Disney and not a Disney adult. But there's such a cult like following with even that if Disney puts out garbage, you'll they'll eat it up. And I don't know if it's some of you are still listening to this show, but here, let me get you to cite an example. All right, so the Peter Pan and Wendy uh, movie opened on Disney. Plus. And when I was looking at the later trailers, I was like, you know, I don't think this is going to be good. I have a bad feeling about this. It doesn't look good. Well, I saw a uh, review by Critical Drinker, also on YouTube, uh, and it's summed up everything I feared that movie was going to be. But it's worse. Let me hit a few of the plot points. And uh, if you think this would be fine and you would still watch it, then you go right ahead. But imagine Peter Pan's kind of the bad guy. He's this moody, depressive jerk and, and, and you know, he, uh, Cap- James Hook, used to be a lost boy until he, I guess he was taken away by pirates or something like that. I can't remember what happened. I think it was supposed to be taken away by pirates, but he comes back in as an adult. Peter Pan doesn't want him around as an adult, so that's why he cuts his hand off and throws it to a crocodile because he came back in as an adult. So, but Peter Pan's basically this moody jerk. At one point, there's even, I saw this clip where Wendy just slaps the snot out of Peter because I guess he's just a, such a jerk because, you know, Captain Hook is really the uh, pitiable anti-hero. Uh, of the whole thing. Uh, So he's not also... uh, not really the leader of the lost people because they're not lost boys. Uh, Tiger Lily is, apparently, the way it's uh, presented. Wendy, of course, is what they now call the girl boss where she's completely perfect in every way and has absolutely no flaws and can defeat any guy. When she gets her happy thought, which is imagining her future as an adult and all the things that she's going to do, alone, I might add. They even show her as an old woman lying on a couch, which, where's her 20 cats? She's all alone in the world which, yeah, that just sounds great. Uh, but that is modern feminism. They're kind of going that way. They, they've talked about that. There's there's a whole thing where they're proud of their singleness. And, okay. But, yeah, as she as that becomes her happy thought. So she defeats an entire ship's worth of pirates on her own. Yeah. But uh, that, on, on top of all the other stuff, so that's, that's the kind of garbage that they're feeding us in Hollywood right now that where I can't, there's so many movies that I'm just like, no. And it's mainly it's coming out of Disney and Marvel and Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars, I feel like they kind of started it with the girl boss when you had Rey, the perfect, flawless Jedi girl. That they said, oh, but we were trying to be representation. So, okay, well, that's fine. We don't we won't mind you have females or representing different types of people. That's fine. You just make good characters out of it. And you know what? Humans have flaws. And that's what makes it an interesting character in a in film or in story is the person having flaws. They're human like us. And maybe it's a flaw that they have to overcome to really be the hero, the champion that they need by the end of the film, right? Or its story, and we're just not getting that. And uh, that's how Disney has left me, as they started pushing that way. And when we and Pixar has left me by the, by having a a twerking uh, at our mothers type of thing, um, yeah, the, with the red the red panda movie, whatever it was called, seeing red. Yeah, I was seeing red by the, by the end of that movie. There's just been so much stuff in this remake train that Disney is on, and they're just wrecking and ruining everything that we've loved from me being a classic Disney fan. They're destroying that by going for, quote-unquote, modern sensibilities, and they should be losing more. They've lost them a lot of money, apparently, but they're not losing as much as they should have because there's still people who are just diehards. The, the cult of Disney will still go that direction and go crazy for it. So... But, uh, yeah, when I, 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 was, I feel like I was fortunate that I was still, since I didn't I wasn't constantly going to the parks as a kid, I didn't get fully indoctrinated. But, boy, well, I was so excited when I got a chance to go. And uh, those of you who maybe have listened to the old show for the, you know, like, well, like seven to eight years of this, uh, you know, I was, I was full bore. But I, I was still able to look at what they were doing critically when I would review a movie. I was being fair and critical of if they if it wasn't a great movie, I would say so. And uh, I know very few Disney podcasts that I feel like they actually are able to look at something critically and say, well, you know, I didn't crawl it like this. But overall, you know, this was good. Uh, you know, and I want to give some kudos to Disney, Indiana. I think they're pretty consistent when they go in to talk about a movie. They'll they'll say if there's something about a movie, a Marvel or, or movie that they didn't like, they will will share that. And I don't I don't seem to find that very often. It seems like the cult of Disney is just kind of going where everything they put is like, we will love it. We will spend all our money. Um, Yeah, but I feel like I'm taking this show in negative directions, and I don't want to go that way. Uh, I just wanted to to kind of share. I mean, this is a lot of stuff I was just kind of looking at, just doing a little bit of research uh, and that's what I've come across. But I, I hopefully I've in, a, in some fashion explained why this show has changed because that's not fun anymore, you know, but I wanted to have fun. And so by ha- what we're doing for fun is we're going to share. That's going to be a, like a am going to turn some even more corners and get to act this show. Uh, originally, I had intended it was to be nostalgia, but retro and having fun with stuff that we enjoyed as a kid. And, you know, one of them, the big things when we were a kid was Star Wars. So we're going to talk about that. But before we get there, I do have a little bit of news, a couple of videos I wanted to share of some upcoming news and some trailers. So um, we're going to get in there. I don't have a ton of news. I'm not. I need to maybe dig in to get a lot more of what's going on in uh, in geek culture. But uh, as it is, I just have a couple of videos to share. So let's get into that.
0: The Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland.
4: Boy, is that ever dated. But anyways, let me let me click this first video here. I don't know if you're, there's really any talking going on, but just listen to this a little bit. All right, you're hearing typing. Um, yeah. Um... To so basically explain a little bit what's going on, this is uh, on the YouTube channel The Old Turtle Den. this music sound familiar to anybody? April 28th, I guess, is when this was supposed to be released. So, um, they have collected clips here from uh, a, an album here that's being promoted called Pizza Dudes Got 30 Seconds. And what they've done is they've made like the 60-bit version of some of the scenes out of the Ninja Turtle movies... And what this is is this is uh, from Shapeshift Records. It's it's basically a lot of the soundtrack from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1990 movie done in 16-bit format. Uh, and you can check out this video. Uh, I don't know if uh, Shapeshift Records has a uh, website or not. They have a, a Twitter page for Shapeshift Records, but I, I believe this album is available right now. 16-bit versions of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles soundtrack called Pizza Dudes got 30 seconds. Um just listen for a second oh the pre-order started April 28th uh, but I so I was fairly excited I thought that's kind of a neat idea a 16-bit uh, album what I would be more interested in is if you see this video, if they were seriously making a game like a 16-bit style uh, that basically followed the story of the movie, maybe with a few a little bit extra bits, and maybe you know the people who made the uh, not so much the Calabunga collection, but the Shredder's Revenge Ninja Turtles game that was like the classic beat em up style, if they did a thing where it was kind of looked like the old movies and follow the story maybe of the movies maybe doing all three of the original well, actually four you know in a way I think the TMNT you know that animated movie was almost like the fourth uh, because I mean when you when you look at like the first one it kind of uh, the, the the major character was Raphael and then the second film was Donatello the third film was Michelangelo and I figured the intention was to have a fourth film with Leonardo and TMNT felt like it was more Leonardo's movie because he's trying to bring the team back together uh, I mean you do have a big plot where with Raphael um and him becoming the night watcher, wasn't it? Uh, but uh, a lot of it is. is uh, you, you, there's more focus to Leonardo, so that was almost like his movie. Um, so, but that that to me also felt like the fourth movie because when you look on the shelves, you see Shredder's helmet from the second live action movie. So I always thought, aha, aha. And also part of the beginning of the movie is talking about that, you know, well, Shredder's defeated and they kind of figuring out what to do with themselves and they've kind of went their separate ways. So I felt like that was the fourth movie. So, you know, I mean, I know there was a game made off of that one, but, uh, you know, whatever, I forgot what that company was that made the Shredder's Revenge, but maybe they could go and make this game for real. I'd be excited about that. I, You know, so this, this 16-bit version of the, the music is neat, uh, but I'd rather have the game. Oh, but here's something else. This was an ad, and I got to share this with you. Uh, for Jedi Survivor, that uh, you have... I forgot the actor who plays Cal in there, there. But with him, with Mark Hamill, it's like, it's like Jedi coaching sessions. Uh, this, this was put out on, on YouTube. So this is basically an ad, but I love it.
5: Remember, just feel it. <sighs> All right. You're on Kobo. The mogul wampa thing is coming. You're not scared. Show me focus.
0: Good. You're
5: not playing baseball.
1: Right. You will take me to the senator now. take me to the senator no, now. less risk.
6: Mark, you know I don't actually have the force, right?
1: BD-1 says no excuses.
7: Hold it. You get two
1: lightsabers? Well, technically one, but I can split them. You never
5: gave me two lightsabers. Mark? <laughs>
1: Okay, now use your Force powers to pull that sphere.
4: I really don't need you to explain the Force to me. I, I love this ad. Uh, and I will be picking up Star Wars Jedi Survivor uh, sometime soon. Uh, I guarantee myself that I will be doing that. I just haven't gotten a chance to do it yet. <laughs> but uh, I am pretty excited to play that game. But i got a lot of other things to play. And I've got some debts that I need to pay. So... Uh, Right now, my fun money is kind of going to that. Although, you know, free comic book day is this weekend. And also, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which we will have our coverage of that, of course, next episode. Uh, That is this weekend. But I'm going to use some date money because the bio nerd, uh, the Wendy nerd, Heather, will be coming with me and my friends to go and check out that film. So, uh, it is time now. uh, Let's go and hit the trailer park.
1: Mama, now the gator got in the house. Now the gator... Give me that
0: show! Come here! Oh. Get him Mom. Oh. Get that game! Ah. Ah. The Neverland Trailer Park.
4: Alrighty, so I uh, hopefully I got these in the correct order that I wanted. Yep, here's the first one I was gonna go ahead and share with y'all.
7: Imagine a place where wishes come true. Where your heart's desire can become a reality.
1: What if I told you that place is within reach?
7: All you have to do is give your wish to me.
0: I wish. Whoa, whoa! What was that? What are you
1: doing? Valentino, don't eat that! It didn't work. When does the magic happen? Ah. I'm talking. I am talking. Ah. Who knew my voice would be this low? So
8: I look the, the stars to guide
4: Well, yep, so Walt Disney Animation Studios presents Wish this November. Uh, Let's see if we have anything interesting in the notes here on YouTube. It says the all-new musical comedy welcomes audiences to Rosas, a fantastical land located off the Iberian Peninsula. Our heroine, Asha, lives in Rosas, known as the Kingdom of Wishes, says director Chris Buck, who helms the film with Fawn, Vera, and People come from everywhere to give their wishes to a magical king who promises to grant their deepest desires someday. Only he can decide which wishes will come true and when. Uh, There's a lot of people who have looked at this and said, oh, Disney is back. Well, that remains to be seen. Uh, One thing I will grant uh, the look of this film uh, it's clearly is computer animated, but it's it feels like it's trying to tap into that hand drawn style. It's a bit more cell shaded, I guess you would say. Uh, so I will grant them that, but uh, you know I ain't gonna get excited about it until I uh, maybe I see a little more. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but I it's I don't get excited for Disney films like I used to. Like for the Disney animated, I that just don't get to me. Uh, but we'll see when we get closer to this coming out, and I might check it out after people have gone and seen it. And I, <laughs> I normally go, you know, I would go and I would bite the bullet so I could review it on the show. But part of me wants to like let me see what other people say first. Um, there is another trail that I see has popped up on my screen. I'm not really that interested in, but maybe you are. So let's go ahead and play the audio. I hadn't intended to play this audio, but I'm going to do it for you anyway. So here we go.
3: To introduce to you the creator of the hunger games themselves dean casca Highbottom.
5: i have summoned you all here for the 10th annual reaping ceremony in which we choose two children from each district to fight to the death in the hunger games from district
1: 12 lucy gray baird
5: there has been a change this year As a mentor, Mr. Snow, your role
1: is to turn these children into spectacles, not survivors.
8: What does my mentor do besides bring me roses?
6: I do my best to take care of you.
8: You really want to take care of me in that arena? Start by thinking I can actually win.
0: I'm Lucky Flickerman, first ever host of The Hunger Games.
8: Enjoy the show. Bye. Enjoy the show. Three, two... Enjoy the show. Run. Enjoy the show.
3: What happens in there? Fueled with the terror of becoming prey. See how quickly we become predator? See how quickly civilization disappears?
8: There's a natural goodness built into us all. We can step across that line into evil, or not.
5: You hear that, boy? It's the sound of snow falling.
0: How wonderful that we all get to be here for someone's final performance.
7: It's not just about winning. Everything is about winning.
1: Monsters! All
3: of you! It's the things we love most
1: that destroy us.
4: All right, so November 17th, The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Um, It doesn't really have a whole lot to say. Oh, no, here we go. It says this follows young Coriolanus, played by Tom Blythe, who is the last hope for his failing lineage, the once proud Snow family that has fallen from grace in a post-war capital. With his livelihood threatened, Snow is reluctantly assigned to mentor Lucy Greybeard, played by Rachel Ziegler. Uh, I have seen her in... Um, the West Side Story Steven Spielberg remake. Uh, she's also, I believe, playing Snow White in the remake of that. Uh, she is a very pretty girl. Uh And I did enjoy... She sings really good in in, uh, West Side Story. She's really talented. And I believe she's also in the Shazam Fury of the Gods, which I still haven't gotten to see yet. But anyways, but she's a tribute from the impoverished District 12. But after Lucy Gray's charm captivates the audience of Panem, Snow sees an opportunity to shift their fates. With everything he has worked for hanging in the balance, Snow unites with Lucy Gray to turn turn the odds in their favor, battling his instincts for both good and evil. Snow sets out on a race against time to survive and reveal if he will ultimately become a songbird or a snake. Uh, Now... I vaguely remember, I listened to the audiobooks of the original trilogy, uh, and I thought it was okay. And I, I figured, you know, it's a legit piece of sci-fi in that it felt like it was a, um, a cycle. Uh, I believe there's a, a like a term for it probably within science fiction where you notice that this is a, a cycle that repeats where you think, oh, the heroes are actually changing things, but no, they're going to cycle and do the same things the villains did. Because you know, at at the end of the story, the the hero of this, you know, I, I quote unquote hero. She's not really a hero, she's just trying to survive, really. Um, trying to protect her sister. Um, I don't know, you know, but she's our, our protagonist. She restarts new Hunger Games to punish her enemies. Which uh, the book goes and talks about some war they don't really remember how the war got started or whatever. There was but there was a war and they lost, and so now they're subject to Hunger Games. So how do we know that this is the first time that this has happened? How do we know this hasn't been cycling? Or we'll just continue to cycle on, see? And so there's there's a lesson, I guess, learned in there of, of humanity where you know, we have the character trying to say there's a basic goodness uh, in humanity, which uh, we've proven no. Uh, now, the Bible teaches us that God's word has been written in our hearts. We know what's good, but people don't actually tend to go that direction. People are basically selfish. Uh, and we tend to do a lot of uh, evil things. Uh, that is, you know, part of what the Bible teaches us. We tend to be—we're uh, we're fallen people. Um, so, you know, but we, we like to think that there's a basic goodness in all humanity. I'm like, well, we know what good is, but we don't always choose to do it. Uh, and more frequently, we choose not to. We're more self-interested. So— but yeah, I figured I'd share that audio for those of you who have any fans. I I tried to watch the first movie. There was so much shaky cam. I was like, "No, I can't watch this." And I know how the the story is and I wasn't that captivated by it. Um I don't think I was the target audience for the books. But I was like, "Well, this is, you know, this is interesting." Uh, but I guess this is this movie is like a part of an origin story for like a, a main villain that I don't remember at all from listening to the audiobooks. I just I don't remember it. It was it's a very, very long time ago. <laughs> very, very, very long time ago. But alright, I do have one more trailer I want to play for you that I'd planned to play for you, and uh this one I am excited for.
0: It's breathtaking.
4: When you see sand here,
3: imagine water.
1: If you dive in, you can't reach the bottom.
6: You dive in.
1: Yes, it's called swimming.
6: <laughs> I don't I don't believe you.
1: In the shadows of Arrakis lie many secrets.
7: But the darkest of them all may remain. The end of House Atreides. No father didn't believe in revenge.
0: What if Paul Atreides were still alive?
8: Have you ever had a dream about your first ride?
7: Don't try to impress anyone.
1: You're brave, we all know that. Be simple. Be direct.
4: Now, at this point in the trailer, I I don't recall that there was any more dialogue. I understand. Well, there's a little bit.
7: Something to hope for. That's not hope! May thy knife chip and shatter.
4: So this is Dune, part two, coming to theaters November the 3rd. Uh, There's a lot here on YouTube that Warner Brothers has posted. It said the saga continues as award-winning filmmaker Denis Villeneuve embarks on Dune Part 2, the next chapter of Frank Herbert's celebrated novel Dune, with an expanded all-star international ensemble cast. The film, from Warner Brothers Pictures and Legendary Pictures, is the highly anticipated follow-up to 2021's six-time Academy Award-winning Dune. The big-screen epic continues the adaption of Frank Herbert's acclaimed bestseller Dune with returning and new stars. And and there's a long, long list. Uh, so I'm going to skip the long list of all the all the people. But I mean, Javier Bardem, you might have recognized him. Yeah, he, uh, he is always just awesome. Anyway, uh, but oh look, Christopher Walken is mentioned in here. Hmm. David Batista, Josh Brolin. Uh, wow. Austin Butler. Oh, huh which we might know from being Elvis, and of course, you know, Zendaya. Anyways, uh, Dune Part 2 will explore the mythic journey of Paul Atreides as he unites with Chani and the Freeman while on a warpath of revenge against the conspirators who destroyed his family. Facing a choice between the love of his life and the fate of the known universe, he endeavors to prevent a terrible future only he can foresee. And uh, I need to rewatch the old movie. Um, it should still be on HBO Max. If you haven't seen it... Uh, it is really good. And I remember going through the, uh, the uh, once again, an audiobook. But this has been probably 20 years ago since I went through the audiobook. And I think I even did the book afterward. And it's, it's, it's like, it's, I, I don't want to say it's just pure great science fiction. Because there's a lot of fantasy elements, it feels like, uh, in these. But, I mean, this has been a, a series uh, of books. I mean, I think other people have tried to even continue the legacy of the Dune franchise. Uh, these books have been so well-known and so uh, highly loved uh, that, you know, it, it's, there's been attempts to adapt this, this book before into film. And this, I think, is, this is one of the best adaptions I think I've ever tried to watch. Uh, I really enjoyed the first part, and I was sad that it was, it was done. But they're really taking their time to try to get as much of the collective story of the book into this, uh, this movie. Now, I've got a couple of, like, YouTube clips for movie review listed, and I don't remember putting them there. So uh let's 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 hit this button to see what happens.
1: Mama! Now the Gator got you in the house! Now the Gator! Gimme that sugar. Come here. Oh. Get him Get that ah. ah.
4: The Neverland Trailer Park. Oh, now I remember. Take a listen to this. Once it gets started. Somewhere in space, this may all
1: be happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> 20th Century Fox and George Lucas, the man who brought you American Graffiti, now bring you an adventure unlike anything on your planet, Star Wars. Here
6: they come. How
1: do you do that? The story of a boy, a girl, and a universe. Uh, It's a big sprawling space saga of rebellion and romance. It's a spectacle, light years ahead of its time.
0: I am C3P, human cyborg relations, and this is my counterpart, R2 D. Hello.
1: It's an epic of heroes. Thousand Worlds Star Wars, a billion years in the making, and it's coming to your galaxy this summer
4: the original 1976 teaser for star wars where not all of the uh the sound effects were quite done and not all the effects were finished but they wanted to show something and they they didn't even have the music ready yet i mean so the score on that is just not great but yeah so we wanted to do a movie review of star wars and talk about our memories of it oh but i have more to play here was an opening trailer
1: Luke Skywalker was just a farm boy until he received a mysterious message from a princess. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. She's beautiful. Star Wars, starring Mark Hamill.
3: I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue
1: you.
6: Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper?
5: Harrison Ford. One conversation
6: anyway. I think we took a wrong turn.
5: Carrie
7: Fisher. Good luck. Alec Guinness. You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine.
1: 20th Century Fox presents the most extraordinary motion picture of all time, Star Wars. Before where the fun begins. No legendary adventure of the past could be as exciting as this romance of the future. Here they come. May the Force be with you in Star Wars.
4: Now, uh, the fun thing is, so Star Wars, and I've, I've, for those of you who have been a long-time listeners, you're going to already know this, but Star Wars was released May 24th, 1977. Then I was born May 26th, 1970. Oh, wait, May 25th is when the movie came out. May 24th is my anniversary. Um, of course, that's 2003. But yeah, 77, uh, the movie came out 20, the 25th. I was born on the 26th. So I frequently like to say I literally grew up with Star Wars because I grew up at the same time with it. Um, and what's what's interesting is, you know, I've I've always had bad knees. I so I didn't crawl as a child. I scooted. And I remember in my head as I'd scoot along, I was like, "Oh, I'm, you know, I'm that little robot." I you know, I don't know that the concept of R2D2 was quite in my head, but you know when uh, you probably I don't know if maybe you have some memories. I have memories of being very small and even what before I could talk, I I, I feel like I must have had my own language because I, I knew what I was thinking of, uh, but I, no, I couldn't communicate with others. I mean, like, for instance, I remember being as a baby, somewhere or another, I saw Groucho Marx do an eyebrow raise, and I I would do that as a baby of people because I'd get attention. They thought it was adorable and hilarious and how cute it was when I'd, I'd raise my eyebrows and wiggle my eyebrows like I'm, well, I guess, like baby flirting or something. Uh, I have an actual memory of... With my grandmother and some of her friends, then uh, because I would you know stay over with grandma when I was little, and grandma kind of raised me so mom could work. Uh, but I remember doing that at, at them, and they were just oh you know. So I mean, I know as a young person, I remember stuff and remember having a thought process of like, oh hey, watch what I can do, not realizing the reaction I could get. And then once I knew I could get a reaction, I would just keep doing it. I'm actually raising my eyebrows right now. Uh, so I remember having the thought process, oh, I was like R two D two, I'm scooting, I'm scooting on the floor. Uh, now I, the main memory, like that I recall watching the original movie, um, and I know it was before I had started in kindergarten because by the kindergarten, Return of the Jedi was out and I was like, oh, I didn't get to see Return of the Jedi. I didn't get to see the Empire Strikes Back yet either. But I remember watching like on HBO, the, 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 the most vivid memory I have of watching it is it was on HBO and American cable vision. We had this big white channel changer and you'd zip this thing across the channels at the time, but it was—I I feel like it was a Saturday morning during the summer, and I was watching Star Wars. And I—I I feel like that same day we went to Worlds of Fun here, which is a theme park here locally. But I remember in the early days, I thought it was lifesavers because I knew what candy was, so I thought they had lifesavers, and it was Dark Raider. Um, you know, I didn't. I, Odd names, but uh, I, I, and uh, I, I had a very limited language. I'm sure at the time, uh, but that's what I, you know, thought everything was. Was you know, it was Dark Raider, and they had lifesavers because I knew of the candy of lifesavers. So I thought, oh, I have, their candy is a big sword. That's cool. Uh, but I remember just absolutely being captivated with it, and I loved X wings. I just thought they were the coolest looking thing, and I really wanted a toy of it, but I never really had. Uh, that many Star Wars Star Wars toys, and even now as an adult and a collector, uh, I don't have that many actual Star Wars toys. I don't really collect Star Wars toys. I have a few. Uh, I have a few of the Disney ones, where like Donald Duck is Darth Maul and that kind of thing. Um, but most of what I have is, well, I do have a, a, a Slave Leia. I could still call her Slave Leia. Thank you very much. Not Jabba Killer. I mean, granted, she killed Jabba, but whatever. I have that, and I have a uh, Chewie Umwe I have a Darth Vader, I have a Darth Maul, I have a Yoda figure, and I have a kind of a, a some Transformer style ones. And I have when I bought the board games, uh, the recent board games, they've got a Grand Moff Tarkin and a Luke Skywalker uh, retro figure in a retro retro package that I've got. But I don't really have a lot of Star Wars toys. Now I did, uh, I did, get, I did work at Taco Bell when the special editions came out, so I got that. But uh, I remember just absolutely loving it. But my mother didn't let me watch The Empire Strikes Back. I remember one time before, you know, it was this was a getting into kindergarten. And I had to go to school later that day, but I, I I changed the channel and found Empire Strikes Back on, and I was like, "Ooh, neat!" And I was watching that. And mom changed the channel, and says, "Nope." I said, "But mom, I haven't seen that one." And this is at the time I'm going into you know my kindergarten class, and uh, oh, you know what did you do over the summer kind of thing, and all the other kids are drawing stuff for Return of the Jedi because that movie had come out when I was in kindergarten, you know, or right before I started kindergarten, and I hadn't gotten to see it. I hadn't gotten to see The Empire Strikes Back. In fact, I didn't see The Empire Strikes Back until after I read the novelization uh, in, uh, I want to say, the fifth grade. I finally got a chance. To, I read the book. And then I saw Return of the Jedi after that. And uh, then I finally got to see Empire at some point after that. But uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't get to watch all the movies. All right, when I wanted, but I I just watched the first one over and over. And I remember one time going over to a friend's house; it was being shown on broadcast network TV, and we had Atari controllers, and so we pretended we were controlling the characters around while we, while we watched the movie. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Uh, but just. Absolutely loved that movie. Loved the storybook, audio, which I have the storybook audio. I thought about sharing that on the show too, but I think I've done that before. Maybe we do it again. I don't know. We used to have story time, but that's probably, I'm probably facing so many copyright things if I do stuff like that. But, you know, we're going to face it again because I want to get into some of the making. Um, but maybe we won't play that audio. I've been downloading that audio, but uh, we've just about filled up a show time. I can make this a two hour show and go ahead and slap that on there. Uh, and I think maybe I will. It's just kind of neat audio. But I want to share some of the, the these two emails that I got. Uh, the first one was from Stephen Price, Jr. He's actually a professor at UCM. He's one of my professors uh, from uh, from school. Anyways, but uh, he says, I first saw it in 1982 on a VHS tape my dad made by taping it off HBO on our VCR. I vividly remember the HBO opening being part of the movie as I wore out that tape watching it probably at least 50 times over the years. Which that does remind me, I mean, when like the THX editions, where they kind of fixed up the the video uh, I made copies of a friend of mine's so of that, and I put them all on one tape. And I would just, when I would go to bed at night, I would just play that tape and just wherever it left off, you know. Because I, if I woke up in the middle of the night, I'd stop the tape so I could go to sleep. And you know, of course, now I keep a TV on all night. Uh, so, but I would just be playing, listening to Star Wars as I would go to sleep. Uh, Let's see, the other one I have from somebody named Jan Burt got an email. It says, in May of 1977, I was five years old and my older brother was 12. The baby of the family, my little brother, had just passed his third birthday. Mama had to work on that Saturday morning, so big brother was out in babysitting duty for us two younger kiddos. But having seen Star Wars A New Hope at the local movie theater the night before, he opted to take his remaining fun money and buy three tickets to the matinee. He had been bitten hard with the Star Wars bug, and even his two younger siblings could not keep him from this film. Things went fine, for the most part, as we made it through the movie. The problem arose when my big brother decided to see the movie again, but did not have enough cash on hand to purchase three more tickets. His solution? To stuff under the seat, to stuff under the seats back in the corner of the theater with firm instructions for me to hold the seats down so we wouldn't be found by the theater employees. While we remained in hiding, he purchased a ticket for himself. Much to his surprise, it worked. And when the credits began to roll on our second showing of the day, he tried his hand at stuffing us under the seat yet again. After seeing the movie for the third time, my little brother was at his end and, and I wasn't far behind. As a three-year-old, spending six straight hours at the movies was pretty remarkable. But he was hungry and tired and needed to go to the bathroom. begrudgingly, our mother was called and she picked us up on the corner just outside the theater. I was surprised that the sun was setting and my entire day had been spent inside watching and re-watching a movie about droids and space and an endearing Wookiee. My older brother waved goodbye and ran back to the theater. I have no idea what time he came home that night, but it was long after I had gone to sleep. All these years later, I have a T-shirt that says 1977, original Jedi Academy member. I bought it because I felt I had earned way back when, crammed under those seats in that sank theater in Bellevue, Nebraska. And my brothers? Well, within a few years, they could watch A New Hope and speak every single line in the movie while it played. I guess they earned their original 1977 status, too. Uh, this is from Janel Burton and she's host of the Burt Not Ernie Show podcast. I'm kind of curious about that. That's a good story. I like that. That's a good story. Thank you very much for sending that. Uh, that's very, very entertaining because I, I heard stories about people like they'd get out of the movie and then they'd go and get back in line to watch it again. Uh, and, I mean, and considering back in the day, I mean, you didn't really have so much VHS when it first came out. It wasn't as easy to just watch a movie over and over again. In fact, they have a, a record. Uh, and I have a copy of this record uh, the story of Star Wars and I've way way back like first year doing this podcast I actually played the entire audio of that record uh, it's it's and it basically retells the entire story of the movie in a long playing record it's, it doesn't leave it doesn't keep everything in there it has to leave a few things out but that would be your best way that or the soundtrack that you could go and re-experience the movie when you couldn't get to the theater but of course now we you know we have such easy access to the movies and now it's almost ridiculous uh, but they yeah, have great stories thank you all for sharing uh, but now, you know what, uh, we're, we're almost at the, the near the hour point, and this is an hour like an hour long audio, but I'm going to go ahead and share the audio of the making of Star Wars from 1977, hosted by C-3PO and R2-D2.
8: Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks.
2: August 1977, a triumphant moment in screen history. To the world-famous Chinese theater come the stars of the biggest box office success in motion picture history. R2-D2, hurry up. Everyone's waiting for you. C-3PO and R2-D2 are reunited for the first time since their epical appearance in Star Wars thousands are gathered to see the metallic megastars place their footprints and cement in the theater's courtyard as the two heroes of star wars make their indelible impressions on the ground reserved for movie lands legends the world resounds with the fact that Star Wars itself has become a full-fledged social phenomenon. It has become more than just a movie. Also to be honored this eventful day, Star Wars Villain. Oh no,
0: it's Darth Vader. Just imagine that, R2. This is the strangest planet we ever visited. Oh, I can't bear it anymore. Turn the dial. Quickly, get rid of him at once. How can they do that, R2? That dreadful man putting his name right next to ours. Oh, how did this whole thing start? I really don't know. You're quite right, R2. It has happened too quickly. All that suffering. It is time we sorted it all out. Do you think your memory bank is up to it?
2: A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, a starship is boarded by Imperial stormtroopers. Their leader, Darth Vader, master of evil, and the Galactic Empire's most feared agent. The plans Darth Vader seeks are entrusted to two robots, C-3PO and R2-D2, for delivery to an heroic knight on a far-off planet. I'm going to regret this. After the robots escape from the starship, the rebel leader Princess Leia is captured.
6: Darth Vader, only you could be so bold. I want to know what happened to the
2: plans they sent you.
6: I don't know what you're talking about.
2: You are part of a rebel alliance
1: and a traitor.
6: Take her away!
0: It's much more fun looking at it this way. It was rather too exciting at the time, wasn't it, Artu? Don't get technical with me, Artu. Just hurry up and tell everyone how the film was really made.
2: Too long ago. A rehearsal for one of Star Wars' most exciting
5: scenes.
0: Stop that, Artu. It's not very nice to show our friends looking so silly. Besides, you really must begin at the beginning. Now just behave yourself, Artu. Don't be so stubborn. You know perfectly well where it began, it began with Mr. Lucas.
2: George Lucas, 33 years old, writer and director of Star Wars. His first feature film for Warner Brothers, THX 1138, also science fiction, but of a very different kind. His second, Universal's American Graffiti, which recalled his adolescent years in a small town in California. His third film, the phenomenally successful Star Wars, which he wrote far from Hollywood at his home in Northern California.
9: I think one of the key factors in the uh, success is that it's a positive film, it has heroes and villains, and uh, that it essentially uh, is a fun movie to watch. It's been a long time since people have been able to go to the movies and see a sort of straightforward, wholesome, fun adventure.
2: In Star Wars, Lucas wanted to recapture the spirit of romance and adventure he found in the movies of the past—the kind of films that ran endlessly on television when he was growing up.
7: It's a good effort, Captain. Tan. The next will be better, my fancy clown. <laughs>
2: his space adventure, Lucas set out to give young people another kind of fantasy world. The kind he derived from watching westerns and old Flash Gordon serial.
0: Flash who? My
1: forces have you surrounded Tarkov. They will attack if you do not surrender immediately.
7: Well, there they are. Have you seen you boys?
2: Luke Skywalker, the young hero of Star Wars, is a direct descendant of Flash Gordon. As he evolved from script to storyboard to actor in the person of 25-year-old Mark Hamill, Luke became a projection of every young boy's adventurous spirit. For director-writer George Lucas, Luke was something of an alter ego. In the film, Luke enlists the aid of a wise and virtuous man, part warrior, part mystic, and the last survivor of a knightly order called the Jedi. His name, Obi-Wan Ben Kenobi. He is portrayed in the film by the distinguished British actor, Sir Alec Guinness. For their adventures, Luke and old Ben must ally themselves with a mercenary space parrot, the cynical Han Solo, played by Harrison Ford. For their journeys, they need Solo's space freighter which comes with a most unusual co-pilot, Chewbacca, the Wookiee. With the two robots, this foursome will attempt to rescue a princess. As played by Carrie Fisher, this princess is royalty of a very liberated kind.
6: Governor Tuck. I should have expected to find you holding Vader's leash. I recognized your foul stench when I was brought on board.
7: Charming to the last.
2: The villain and chief nemesis, Darth Vader. Even in early production sketches, Darth Vader emerged as a crown prince of evil. Sound effects editors added a final touch to his villainy.
0: Wait a minute, Artu. You may think you know what you're doing, but you have to be careful. Oh! Artu, D2, come back at once! What's the matter, Artu? It's all right, Artu. Go, oh, that stupid machine! I don't know what he'd do without me. You needn't worry. I'll take care of it. It's all right, Artu. You can come out now. He's gone. Come and see for yourself. He's not here. Now, really, Artu, if you're not careful, you'll overwork your circuits. You needn't fret. Darth Vader has gone. Really, Artu, I hope you've learnt your lesson. You must concentrate and stick to the story.
2: Tunisia, North Africa. Here, George Lucas and a film crew of 130 people from England and the United States recreated the planet of Tatooine, a strange world where the robots landed after their escape from the Imperial forces. To create the world of Tatooine, Cargo planes and oversized trans-European moving vans brought thousands of pieces of equipment and props to the remote Tunisian desert. Construction crews worked for two months to build the dwellings and towns of the exotic planet. Among the strangest inhabitants of Tatooine, robots, or droids, as they are called in the film. 25 different models of them. It is on Tatooine that the robots C-3PO and R2D2 will encounter the young farm boy, Luke Skywalker. It is also on Tatooine that they will be confronted by the Jawas, bright-eyed wanderers of the wasteland. Tiny, scrappy creatures, the Jawas are known to deal in slightly used and often stolen droids. Scavengers of the desert, they are not nice people to run into when out for a stroll, as R2D2 discovered in this scene from the film.
0: you must try to get a hold of yourself look at me scrap merchants aren't exactly my favorite people either yes there certainly were a lot of very strange creatures out there in the desert
2: Animal, vegetable, or mineral, the early production drawings of the Sand People don't specify. George Lucas imagined them as ferocious nomads, and ferocious is what they turned out to be, as demonstrated in this scene photographed on location.
0: it didn't look very dangerous did it but just see how exciting it looks in the completed film
3: well there are two Banthas down there but I don't see any wait a second they're sand people all right I can see one of them now
2: Karalik Guinness, a knight playing a night, brought to the Star Wars set a theatrical tradition that inspired the youthful production company. In this, his first appearance as Obi-Wan Ben Kenobi, he rescues Luke Skywalker from the Sand People. It is now that R2-D2 discovers that Obi-Wan is the man to whom he must deliver the secret message. The message cannot be delivered, however, until a damaged friend has been repaired.
0: Oh, watching that scene always makes me nervous. Do you know that my arm still aches when my batteries run low? Yes, R2. The Force is extraordinary. I always like to hear Obi-Wan talking about it.
3: How did my father die?
7: A young Jedi named Darth Vader, who was a pupil of mine until he turned to evil, helped the Empire hunt down and destroy the Jedi Knights. He betrayed and murdered your father. Now, the Jedi are all but extinct. Vader was seduced by the dark side of the Force. The Force? The Force is what gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together.
0: Do you think it's the Force that's holding us together, Artu? (coughs) Yes, yes, I quite agree, with a little help from the crew. What clever people they are. Isn't it amazing the things they can invent? Like Luke Skywalker's landspeeder.
2: Through the magic of film, Luke's landspeeder hovers over the desert sands. But for scenes requiring starts and stops, part of the magic becomes transparent. In this scene, Luke discovers his family has been killed by the Imperial forces. He now makes a fateful decision. There's nothing for me here now. I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi
1: like my father.
0: I was very glad to leave Tunisia, because then we went to film in the studios in England, which was much nicer. Mm. And the sets were unbelievable. The Millennium Falcon was most impressive. It even overwhelmed the crew. In fact, Han Solo's
2: space freighter, the Millennium Falcon, was Star Wars' most elaborate set. It was constructed on one of the nine sound stages the company used at the Elstree Studios outside London.
8: It's
3: better on this side of it than this side. It's better, it's better on this side. there on your
2: right, because I don't see it. Nailed to the floor of the sound stage, the mock-up of the Falcon remains strangely earthbound. Later, on the screen, it will appear to hurtle through the vastness of space. Running.
3: Action! Can't you outrun him? I thought you said this thing was fast.
2: Watch your mouth, kid. You're going to find yourself floating. For all of its sophistication as a set, the motion of the Falcon is generated by a few stagehands. Okay, cut.
9: five, five, nine, take two. Action!
2: Can't you outrun him? I thought you said the thing was bad. Harrison Ford, who pilots the Falcon, worked with Lucas in American Graffiti. He played a similar role of a man obsessed by speed and ego. This is where the fun
5: begins. I ain't nobody, dork. Right? Right. Hey, you see this Milner, you tell him I'm looking for him, huh?
8: Ain't he neat?
5: In fact, a lot of the elements of Han Solo are a lot like... uh, like Bob Falfa in American Graffiti, but I don't, uh, I hope they're not uh, the same person. I never intended them to be. Uh, The jump to hyperspace is is like, um, it's like the drag racing in American Graffiti. Chewbacca. Chewbacca is the, is the Wookiee. He's 200 years old. And I don't know if this ever comes out in the picture, but he's, he is 200 years old. He's capable of flying the spaceship. And uh, I'm capable of understanding his language. I related to him as if he were a special kind of dog. I thought kids would find him real frightening. So I wanted a relationship with him that would imply trust and, and equality.
9: Uh, the Wookiee actually came from uh, my dog, Indiana, who is a big, malamute, very large, furry dog that looks a lot like the Wookiee, only slightly smaller.
0: Of course, Artu. Everybody misses the Wookiee. He was such an interesting character. <whistles> but remember how he used to cheat at chess? Aboard the falcon, en route to
2: rescue the princess, the Wookiee and R2 play an unusual game with
0: holographic chess pieces. Now be careful, R2.
2: (coughs) The chess pieces are actually rubber figures wired with movable joints. Using stop-action photography, every movement of the creatures is filmed one frame at a time when played back the creatures come to life in continuous motion they are then added to the chess board
8: you made a fair
0: move
5: Screaming about it can't help you. I don't have it. It's not wise to upset a Wookiee. But, sir, nobody worries about upsetting a droid. It's because a droid don't pull people's arms out of their sockets when they lose. Wookiees are known to do that.
0: I see your point, sir. I suggest a new strategy, R2. Let the Wookiee win. (laughs) What did he say? Oh, he misses us too.
2: There are 365 special photographic effects in Star Wars, more than in any other movie. For this scene, each effect element was shot separately, then added to the live action. Even the laser beam of Luke's sword was optically printed into the scene. Other elements like the chest set and rays were added in the same way.
7: Remember, a Jedi can feel the force flowing through him. You
3: mean it controls your actions?
7: Partially, but it also obeys your commands. Force, which Obi-Wan
2: attempts to pass on to Luke, is a vital element in Star Wars.
9: It's sort of boiling down religion into a very basic concept. Uh, uh, The fact that there is some deity or some power or some force that sort of controls our destiny uh, or uh, works for good and also works for evil is uh, always been very basic in mankind
2: the dark side of the force is personified by darth vader is
7: insignificant next to the power of the force don't try to frighten us with your sorcerer's ways lord vader your sad devotion to that ancient religion has not helped you conjure up the stolen data tapes or given you clairvoyance enough to find the rebels hidden fortress
2: find your lack of faith disturbing. Enough of this. Vader, release him. As you
1: wish.
0: <laughs> I know it's not very pleasant, R2, but we have to show the Death Star. Of course I care about upsetting a fellow droid, but we can't stop now. We must get on with our journey aboard the Millennium Falcon.
2: The Falcon, in which the intrepid adventurers are traveling, is in fact a model. Designed and built by a Hollywood special effects house, it is photographed by a computer-controlled camera. By photographing the model against a blue screen, It will later be possible to add different backgrounds and other moving objects to the scene. This can be done by means of double and triple exposures. The work is painstaking and precise. It is an endeavor where details count. Scenes filmed on the London sound stages will also be integrated with the model shots made in California. To achieve this, the actors must also be filmed against a blue screen.
5: Tell anybody about us.
2: In the Falcon cockpit, the actors play out their terror at being caught in a magnetic pull exerted by a yet unpictured Death Star.
5: It's too big for a space station.
7: I have a very bad feeling about this. Turn the ship around.
2: Yeah.
5: I think you're right. Full reverse. Chewy.
2: In order to complete the scene, it is necessary to generate what the special effects people call mats. They permit the separate elements to be printed one at a time. In this case, the actors, the graphic of the Death Star, and a star field. When finally combined, the star field, the death star graphic, the model, and the actors filmed on stage contribute to the creation of a dramatic sequence. Another technological achievement was the creation of 33 fully operative robots. R2-D2 was the crowning achievement of these mechanical creatures. An achievement of another kind was the creation of the more human-like droid C-3PO. He and his companion became both dream and nightmare to their creator, George Lucas. I started writing this. I found the most intriguing thing was to
9: take two robots and make them into human beings and make them the most interesting characters uh, in terms of the comedy element and the uh, sort of I wanted to make the film around them, use them as a framework for the film and I knew when I did that that I would be getting myself into a lot of trouble.
2: Difficulties with the robots led to a loss of time. And in the Star Wars location, where each day could cost upwards of $100,000, the director's affection for his
0: creations had to be tempered with impatience. How's that for ingratitude, Artu? Where would he be without us? Come to think of it, where would any of them be without us? You're quite right, Artu. They'd still be in the garbage crusher. Wouldn't they? (laughs) I got a bad
5: feeling about this.
6: The walls are moving! Don't just stand there and try and brace it with something!
1: Thanks for sure. We're all going to be a lot thinner. Three, Shut down all the garbage on the detention level, will you? Do you copy? Shut
0: down all the garbage on the detention level. I'm glad we weren't in that scene, r I think you would have got a bit rusty. No, I wouldn't have. Gold doesn't rust. But I must say the pluckiest of the lot was the princess. <laughs>
2: Carrie Fisher is Princess Leia. Born to show business, she is the daughter of Debbie Reynolds and Eddie Fisher.
6: Playing the role of Princess Leia was fun a lot of times. Well, it wasn't fun all the time. After about two hours in the garbage room, the fun started to wear off and your skin started to wrinkle and your rubber suit didn't fit right anymore. But uh, we had a good time. When we did the swing across, it it would have been fun if we'd been allowed to do it a second time but we it was like doing the upside down roller coaster we did it one time and it was scary and then if we'd gotten to do it again it would have been fun but they didn't let us do it again
2: here hold this the daring swing was frightening because it actually took place 30 feet above the floor of the studio But not all of Star Wars' towering scenes were filmed at dizzying heights. Here, Obi-Wan attempts to turn off the magnetic beam, which prevents the Falcon from escaping the Death Star. He is only six feet off the stage floor. In the final film, he will appear to be a hundred feet off the floor.
7: A very good clue.
2: Alec Guinness talks about playing his role
7: in this kind of special effects film. Borrow a little bit here and there. It's no good trying to think of this character in terms of a psychologically rational man. There's a bit of magic about it. Uh, And I just trust that the the camera (laughs) and the backgrounds will provide the rest. To match the director's concept for this scene,
2: without actually building a huge and expensive set, the filmmakers resort to what is called a glass painting shot. Thousands of miles from the stage in England, a California artist paints a background on glass that will later surround the scene in which Alec Guinness appears. A blank spot is left on the glass painting for the live-action scene filmed on the London stage. The glass painting is then photographed, and the scene with Alec Guinness will be incorporated within it. The final effect is a masterful illusion.
6: Making Star Wars was a lot like the movie. You never knew what was going to happen next.
2: ten long weeks, the Star Wars company labored on the suburban London sound stages, bringing to life a film that had begun as an idea with George Lucas three years before. For Lucas, these ten weeks were pressure-laden, as he struggled to keep the 130-member company on schedule. For the actors, it is both a time of excitement and tedium. <laughs> To outsiders, the filmmaking world looks to be a fun filled, glamorous environment. It is actually a workaday world
0: of detail and repetition. It's times like this that I really feel like shutting down. Well, it's also boring waiting around for the technicians and the director to get everything ready. Sometimes they treat actors just like droids. What do you mean? Lines you never even read the script. Come to think of it, how would you have turned the pages?
7: Take eighteen.
2: The cast of Star Wars makes an eighteenth attempt to escape from the Death Star. Okay, cut.
3: Got it. And
5: and 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 and. Oh! Uh,
7: the mic was in frame.
5: <laughs> the mic was in picture. Oh! The mic was it in
3: picture. The mic
9: was in picture. Everyone
3: back to first position. The
9: sound department at the pay up. Uh, um, it, it was it was good
5: fight. Okay, print it and burn it. <laughs>
2: The stormtroopers who police the Death Star must also be filmed for the climactic escape sequence. Here they prepare to witness the fateful duel between Obi Wan and Darth Vader. Waiting for you, Obi Wan. We meet again at last. The circle is now complete. When I left you, I was
7: but the learner. Now I am the master. Only a master of evil does.
2: Again, special effects were used to heighten the action in the scene. Alec enters carrying only the hilt of his sword. He is given a second sword made of special light-reflecting material. When this sword is turned to the light, the reflection will appear to be the laser beam. However, for a more dramatic effect, an animated glow is added to the laser sword. Flashes of color are also printed in to enhance the scene. Sound effects add another dimension to the drama. Another angle of this climactic moment is photographed. This one without Alec Guinness. A dummy is substituted. For this scene, Lucas and his technicians are trying to achieve a difficult mechanical effect on the set. It's
4: severed, but it it all came down together. Uh,
2: The scene is not working. Lucas will later make the decision to enhance this scene with an optical effect.
4: Real.
2: The many angles and shots that make up the daring escape from the Death Star are finally realized in this scene from the film.
5: I got the tractor beam on a commissioner. This is gonna be a real short trip. Okay,
0: get it. I thought our troubles were over when we got away from the Death Star, but really, they were only just beginning. Watch the dog fight. Oh, how you do ramble on. You only want to see that because you have such a big part in it. Honestly, R2, sometimes I think success has gone to your wiring. You haven't been the same since the film opened. Well, at least I can answer my own fan mail, which is more than you can do. Here
2: on what was the largest soundstage in England, the Star Wars company prepares to shoot the climax of R2's incredible adventure. One he embarks upon with Luke Skywalker. Luke! The rebel forces are about to launch an aerial attack against the Death Star. The secret message that R2 has brought back is used to help plan the raid. Mr.
0: he's a great pilot. Thank you, sir. I'll try. I gotta get aboard. We'll hear all your stories when we get back, all right? <laughs> all right.
2: The adventure sought by Luke Skywalker, the farm boy from Tatooine, is about to reach its most dangerous moment. For the first time since leaving home, he is on his own.
3: The character of Luke Skywalker is the one sounding board you have. And, uh like dorothy in in wizard of oz or jack hawkins in treasure island there's that one character that uh, people look to to see the reactions to everything else he's very simple very naive very straightforward um he's that that classic character in literature that doesn't want to stay on the farm that wants to see what's beyond and you know get off the farm and and go have a little adventure.
2: The adventure into which Luke Skywalker is thrust is derived from World War II dogfights as shown in Hollywood films. For the space-age dogfight, detailed models are used. With the computer controls developed especially for Star Wars it was possible to film the elements for this sequence with the freedom never before exercised in motion picture production. By controlling the motion of the camera and by remembering those motions the computer allows for more complex and visually dynamic photography. Again, the models are photographed against blue screen to allow for the placement of other elements into the scene. The surface of the Death Star, until now seen only as a graphic, must now be rendered as a model. To effect attacks on the model by the Rebel planes, explosions are sometimes triggered by primitive mechanisms. Similarly, the miniature planes are wired with small charges. It took two years and three and a half million dollars to do the Star Wars miniature and optical effects. This camera provides a pilot's eye view of an attack on the Death Star. Thousands of hours are devoted to collecting all the elements necessary for the final sequence.
0: Oh, my poor circuits. It's also very complicated. I don't see how they ever put all this together. Well really are two. Of course we all want to see how it worked out.
2: With the success of the film, the country goes Star Wars crazy. In the modern world, success can't be confined to one medium. It spills over into every area of our lives. Star Wars has spawned more star wares than anyone can count. It has become an inescapable phenomenon. The music of Star Wars by John Williams is part of that phenomenon. And what about
4: sequels? the producer of Star Wars, Gary Kurtz.
5: We had
4: a lot of of, uh, speculation about sequels to Star Wars, and we are working on story material that will develop into potentially one or more motion pictures that will use the same characters. I like to consider them different adventures rather than direct sequels.
9: Obviously, the Empire is still there. Darth Vader is still there. And uh, it's going to also evolve with new characters coming in, uh, new problems, new worlds.
6: It's still being written, the sequel, and we're all signed for them to do them, Mark Harrison and I, and uh, the robots, uh, 3PO and R2. But I, that's as far as I know. I heard that they were probably going to have an ice planet and uh, a tropical planet, like the fourth moon of Yavin.
3: But then again, uh, George can do anything he wants now. The, this, The first one has been so successful that he
2: could set the next one in redondo beach if he chooses to do so there are questions that still need to be answered like what about the future of the princess
9: and who she is going to end up with is still anybody's guess Uh, i will say that uh, uh, luke is more devoted to her i think than han solo is
6: I would probably describe Han Solo as the cynical mercenary space pirate with the cream filling, you know. He's a nice guy.
3: She's really a chump if she goes for Han
2: Solo. And what of Darth Vader? Will he get his comeuppance?
6: I don't like Darth, and I don't mind talking about it either. I think he's a bad guy, and uh, I'm gonna probably do my best to shoot him next time. I think he's powerful and dangerous.
3: They put us on a gigantic playground and gave us mounds of toys to play with. It was
5: like playing cowboys and Indians for money. It was a lot of fun. How much fun? Uh, About this much.
2: The magic of Star Wars does not lie only in its brilliant special effects. Its power derives from something simpler and rarer. The romantic spirit that moves in it. Before it, we are all
0: young again. And everything seems possible. My goodness, Artu, were we really responsible for all that? If this keeps up, we may well be able to afford a droid of our own. What will he do? Well, he could answer your fan mail for a start. And then he could keep me polished up. Where will it all end? Perhaps Artu. It will never end.
4: (laughs) All right. Well, I hope you really, really enjoyed that. Uh, But it's definitely it's past time for us to wrap this up. Uh, Of course, I want to remind you to go to NeverlandPodcast.com and you'll find right there in the middle of the page, my podcast reviews. Go ahead and click in there. If you happen to have a podcast, get it yet. A very inexpensive account you get an idea of uh, all your different reviews you can get them sent directly to your email international uh, not just the ones that in your country that normally apple will only let you see something like that and it collects you know reviews from all kinds of different places which you know i could use some new reviews I haven't gotten any in a while we need to rebuild this show Uh, but I want to make sure I thank Karen Kennedy, Ricky Pope of Christian Nerds Unite, and Darren Wilhite of the Wilhite & Wall Show for their help in making our introduction. Don't forget, you can send us an email, podcast at neverlandpodcast.com I do have a Twitter page you can follow at NeverlandPCast Of course, I mentioned we're on Facebook We have both a fan page and a group page. I'm finding it's easier if I want to share something to share it onto the group uh, because I can share it as myself and I don't have to do this weird reverse extra login where I got to log into my fan page and Facebook's may get really complicated. Uh, you can join the Neverlanders on neverlandpodcast.com, become an official lost boy or pixie. Why do we have pixies? Because girls are too clever and they don't get lost. So eat that Disney movie, uh, donate to patreon.com slash neverlandpodcast. Uh, I really do appreciate the help with Patreon. and heck, if you go and uh, become a patron, uh, you can get an ad free version of the show and even some exclusives. When I share exclusives, uh, I also am on Instagram at the spider pan and, uh, we do, of course, have YouTube channels. If you look for um, Neverland, the Phantom Nexus, or you know, there's even Neverland official gaming channel. I've been posting a lot of gaming videos of playing the WWE game. You can see me uh, wrestling with the, the Penguin and the Joker. Have had a rivalry with me and Philip uh, on there. So you can see a lot of like fun characters that I've uh, I've been battling with. Uh, so you can definitely come and check it out and have some fun with me over there on YouTube as well as you know share a few uh, if you've made some characters share them with me. I'm gonna check them out. So. Uh, that will wrap up our show Uh, this has been a very special episode here for May the 4th be with you at Star Wars Day I don't even know how that got started it was a social media thing that's almost a thing I would like to have researched but I wanted to go and get some behind the scenes thing so the best I could find was that audio so I hope you enjoyed that but now get lost in an adventure and we'll see you next time